There's no rules! After some technical difficulty, welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge. It's the No Mulligans podcast here. It's uh, Jack Beard and Scott Hassey, and we've got our special guest on who's been on the podcast before, Mr. Elijah Tackett, very popular man around Franklin Bridge. And uh, yeah, after some technical difficulty, we've got some cool new announcements to make with the podcast. So kind of giving an abbreviated version for people who are listening right now. Yep. What do we got going on, Scott? It's so, super exciting. And so how did this come about, too? So we've been kind of pitching back and forth um, different ideas to kind of help promote the podcast, for me to generate some dollars for the, the guys that kind of helped me, Tate, who's not here tonight, but uh, who does some work behind the scenes, Avery. Uh, they do a lot of work for us at no cost. Um, so a way for us to generate some dollars to pay them, to do other promotions so that we can reach more people, um, but is to actually do a... Uh, I think you called it play with the pod um, where we kind of travel and go play different places. So our first run of it this fall or summer and fall will be uh, kind of give you more backstory, especially for those that are listeners of the podcast and have listened for a long time. You kind of have heard some of these stories thrown in and out. So you actually get to go see some of those places. So we're going to travel and play, get a group of three people together. It'll be $500 for the team. We'll get you some cool swag with that. Um, and we're going to try and keep it, relatively local except for our big trips which we have planned for september and october yeah. those will be much more expensive to to travel for um but the uh first one local one we're gonna go for two teams just two of us uh so two groups of three and we will go to helfrick hills in evansville indiana on june the 25th and then the one in july is going to eagle sticks on july the 23rd um in zanesville ohio both both will be day trips yep. uh be easy to do and um it's been super cool, too, to, yeah. to have this come to life because I know that when I've been playing out uh, at the bridge, sometimes they'll be like, or even if I'm on the range or if I'm with you, they'll be like, oh, you're the podcast guy. Or like, you're Jack from the podcast. And I'm like, yeah. And uh, I was actually playing with a guy the other day, and he's like, he was talking to me about the podcast. And if you know who you are, uh, then, you know, hey, and hopefully you can make it to the trips here. But yep. uh, it was really cool to be able to meet people who actually listen to the podcast yeah. here. And so now is a, a very unique chance for you guys to to come out and play with the pod and, and do it away from uh, from the bridge. Of course, we'd love to get you around here, but uh, we want to make sure that we also travel and experience other courses and see how we can put uh, our teachings or your teachings, Scott, into play all around. And especially when you haven't seen a course before, too. Yeah. So I think that can be an excellent uh, teaching moment as well. Well, and I'll say this to kind of uh, pump the whole project up to kind of come play with us is uh, Jack's actually starting to really play well. We've broken 80 twice. Like, we had only broke it once in the first two years of the pod, yeah. and in the last couple of weeks have broken 80 twice. In the same s- week, four days yep. apart, yeah. Yep, so those that saw me post about it, uh, the first nine you shot 30, 35. 35, and then finished with a 40 on that second nine to shoot 75. So yeah. uh, big personal best there by four shots, and then followed up with a 78 a few days later. So... Uh, Jack's playing well right now too, so it'd be a great chance to kind of come and join us and and have some fun. So as opposed to me sucking and playing at these new right. places, <laughs> like you go shoot in the <laughs> '90s, you know, uh, you can be bad at golf and come and join us. So we'll have a good time and um, make a day of it. So if you'd like to sign up for one of those, uh, we currently have slots open um, for June 25th. Uh, hit us up, shoot us an email. Um, 
and don't feel like you have to be you know long bombers and shooting low yeah. to come play these i mean come on, that's what we fun. preach on the podcast too is like the beautiful part about this game is that we can play the same course just you know at different lengths and it makes it all all that much more fun yeah so. think of it as like a mini member guest we'll get you some cool swag and bam you know have some fun with the whole day might even play some game like yep. you know six whole games here and there so yeah it'll be a good time so yeah, come 500 on five hundred dollars a team and we'll we'll have some fun if you're interested where can they know learn more scott uh, i would say just shoot us uh shoot me a message on instagram s yep. hassy golf two s's two e's that's correct um and we'll get you locked in so love it we'll go from there Love it, love it. Well, what are we talking about today, Scott? I mean, we've had a lot of stuff happen in the in the golf world yep. over the last couple of days. I mean, the PGA just happened. Brooks won his fifth major. A lot of people are comparing him to Tiger-esque numbers when it comes to uh, how they're doing in majors. Of course, we had Michael Block putting on yeah, for the PGA pros. It's, it's interesting to see, like, if you look through ESPN, PGA Tour, you look at all the sites, it's like, where's Kefka? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was always his big complaint, right? Like nobody's covering me. It's like, guess what? Nobody's covering you again. You know, we're back to Michael Block has this like absolutely incredible uh, run in play, and um, it's really kind of cool to see uh, that whole deal. And I don't know, it was kind of fun. Well, all in one on, on like seven, the yeah, cap it all with off. that seven iron, yeah. I mean, uh, and also, I don't know if you saw this today, but somebody placed a like a, a an offer out there for his seven or for his uh, whatever he hit it with seven, yeah, iron. seven iron. It was tailor made. It was tailor made, but it was like a thirteen year old tour preferred, and he got offered fifty thousand yep. for it for 50, just that one 50K. club. Yeah, <laughs> that's fifty wild. big ones. It's gonna have to be more than that for me. If it was me, it would have to be more than fifty thousand dollars. Would it though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He just won three hundred thousand in the tournament itself. Like, yeah, that's fair enough. Like, money's not as big of an issue for him if it was. You know what I didn't realize? So fifty thousand isn't that much to him. No, half, how about right. a half you're a million? Right. And and like the invaluable like nature of having that club in your home. Yeah. Like. Yeah. No, you're right. I wouldn't sell it. No, like, I think no way. I'm been... giving it for fifty k. That's. I mean, dude. No, a, I mean, a Yukon is worth more than that. <laughs> you can buy that at a car dealer. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, come Dates on. Dates an NC State fan, and now he hates UConn. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, am I like a am I like still a special guest at this point, or do I just become like a regular kind of special? No, you're guest? definitely. Here's what you are: a reoccurring guest. There we go. That, there I like go. that. I That's like right. that. That's a good uh, a, a good uh, a good title as a special guest. That's nominee. not special. That's not special, but recurring well let's dive into it boys what are we <laughs> yeah talking about? I, I think um i think to kind of pull off the the pj championship stuff um it's really neat to see golf is really one of the only sports where we have the u.s open qualifiers are going on right now too like it's really the only place where club pros can get into an event um and amateurs can get in so you know there's you don't have like amateurs lining up to play in an nba game or in major league baseball or in you know uh basketball like you don't see that that happening so it's just really neat that golf is a sport where just about anybody can play and compete uh and be around so um michael block playing well is is pretty incredible um and the number of people that i'm like scott we'll watch you play like you need to make a run i said do you all have any idea how hard that is like how good he is He's been he's qualified for these big tournaments and plays in tournaments throughout the whole year. I mean, he's qualified for them 
five, seven, eight years ago. Like for me to even make an attempt at it, I'd have to start that run now and we're talking 10 years from now. Yeah, and that's what I was surprised about after everything transpired. I was listening to him on a podcast that he did and he's played in numerous PGA events. Like this is just the biggest one and he this is the best one that he's done in. He's He said that he's played in a, a couple really notable I think events i think he's had five or six starts yeah he's just uh, on the tour right. itself and i yeah correct me if i'm wrong i think he's played in multiple pga championships yes as yes well, he just has too. So never like, made the cut this is not his first week out there right you know just in general it's not right. like this random dude just happened to qualify and showed up like yes he only hits golf balls once a week but like he has a level of preparation that just your normal club pro would not have if this was their first ever qualifying correct you know event for the PJ tour for the PJ championship and, and we're not raining on his parade either it's if, incredible. If, if anything we by are by no means yeah, by it, no means by uh, if anything we are only celebrating the fact that he is way better than most if not all PGA pros that are out there right yeah. now now he did say in that in He's that probably same the interview best PGA golf professional player maybe in the world yeah, probably. I mean, he said he said that you know there's probably five or six other people, and especially even people in his section who think that he could probably beat them straight up right now. And he even said that. But I think it takes a different kind of person, and this is what this podcast is all about, as far as preaching the mental game and preaching how you handle a tournament. And if you're thinking about somebody who's handling the pressure as good as any PGA member right now, it's Michael Block. I oh, think he's yeah. he's very like he has a lot of humility, and he's very humble. So, I mean, I think for the most part, if, if you go down the row and you ask a number of different tour pros or PGA pros at any point in time, they're going to name five or ten guys off the top of their head that they're like, this guy could beat me right now, this guy could beat me right now, this guy could beat me right now. Like, the best players don't ever typically – I think I think Brooks Kepka is actually one of the – one of the players that will tell you how good he's actually playing and oh, be yeah. totally bold and honest with it. But right. for the most part, a lot of those guys are always saying, like, man, I, I've got things to work on. I've got things to get better at. Like, there are other guys that could beat me right now. I just – I played well this week, and the right things happened at the right time, and I won, right? So yeah. he's – I think he's just coming from a place of, like, I can always be better – and I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm going to be humble. I think he's like he's choosing to be that way. Yeah, I in agree. my opinion. Yeah, I, I would say too. You know, one of the neat things from the teaching perspective is that, like, as an active player, you have a way of relating to your students that you don't if you're not an active player, right? So it's like it's why I have Elijah on the golf course. Like, as an active player, he's played professionally for the last two years. He's out there on the golf course. That's where most of his time is spent. Uh, is teaching on the golf course, teaching people how to play. I mean, you had he had an 11 handicap guy, uh, one over through 11 holes before he walked off the golf course because just because of time. Um, but like, 11 handicaps don't shoot one over through 11 holes, right? So and he still wanted to know the secret, like the. And I'm like, he kept wanting it to break, right? Is that what you said? Like, like you just did it. Like, I want you to see me hit it bad. It's like, well, that's the point. If you're picking the right shots, I'm not gonna see like, that. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. So you, you got know, it. It's uh, it's one of the things we're passionate about doing is actually getting on the golf course and playing with people. And so we're about to do that this weekend, um, with six kids from all over the country. So we have them from New York, Texas, Missouri, Illinois. Um, we have kids from and one locally here, um, 
and it's all on course. So we're playing, uh, what are we playing? Playing 27 holes on Friday, 36 on Saturday, and nine more Sunday morning, maybe 18 uh, Sunday morning. So, so like that's on the golf course with them, and then in between that stuff is all about how to play and perform. Like it's not swing stuff. Now we may, I may be very creative with how I deal with swings if I think kids are off by asking them to hit certain shots, but it's all in a play style. So, and we will be we will be picking shots for them that are within their boundaries of their technique where it is right now. But correct, that's we're not going to tell them that, right? Like we're just going to say like we're going to look at this swing and go, this swing is. 10 times better from a knockdown position than a full shot position. When they hit a full shot, they miss it this place. So the only time we're going to call for a full shot, if the number's right, is when they can miss it in the place that they're most likely to miss it from. Right. Hey, while we're on that topic, can we kind of parlay this into the final stretch at the PGA this past weekend with Brooks taking it to Hovland, and especially with Hovland taking that uh, that shot out of the bunker and hitting the lip and almost taking him out of and definitely taking him out of the tournament. Right. Well, I think a couple things that we don't know. Like people look at those things. We've talked about this before on the podcast. Go like, oh, he choked. It's like, look, if you look at Brooks Kepka in the final three, in the first three rounds on the back nine, he didn't make a bogey. All right. So, and dude started out with three birdies in the first four holes. Yeah, he made a bogey or two in there, but like clearly is in control of his game. And if you're Hovland, right, at this point, we've talked about this before, when you come down to a stretch like that, it's no longer stroke play. It's match play. And because you're a shot or two back, like he's not giving one up. You have to make the assumption that Kepka is not going to give up a shot in those last three. And so Hovland has to take a crack at hitting it close getting cute with a shot, like, I have to try to navigate this and get it close, and I'm going to have to do the same thing out of the bunker now that I'm in here. What's and so it's like, I don't see it as choking. I, I see it as taking a calculated risk on a hole that you kind of have to. You don't – guys don't make a lot of birdies on 17 and 18. Well, um, I want y'all's perspective on this, the two on the panel right here, because they were talking about how Corey Connors had that exact same shot earlier in the tournament. And he did the exact same thing that Victor did. He plugged it in the lip. And so I'm curious. I think he took. He tried to take a nine iron out of that bunker. I want to know from y'all's perspective, Scott, you especially said that he did not choke. He just took a calculated risk. I'm curious, after watching, would you have done anything different after watching it in retrospect with hindsight being 2020, Or do you think he, did the, he had the best shot and did what he could? I don't, I don't think you... Like, I don't think he probably looks at that as, like, the one spot he lost the golf tournament, right? Like, I made a jump at it. There's a there's 54-plus other holes that I've played. I made a – there's a much simpler place that I lost two shots than that one situation. And given the circumstances, I probably am still going to be fairly aggressive in that last moment. You know, it's like, do you want to wait till the 18th to take a crack at it, or do you want to take a crack at it on 16, maybe get one there? And then if you don't get it there, try and take a crack at 17. You don't want to wait till the last hole to take a crack at it. You can't. You can't afford that. If Kepka makes one on the same hole, then then you're really behind. Yeah, and, and, and I think, like, <clears throat> how many times can Hovland say that, you know, I hit it in the spot that I wasn't looking at and I still made par? I mean, 
at some point in time, when you're under pressure and, and you need to make something happen, right? We, we rate students that way all the time, like the ability to make something happen. Like you need to go after it, you know, in case he does get away with it and make birdie, you still have time for Brooks to either fall back to you or for you to make another move. But like Scott said, I mean, you can't wait too long because, I mean, if the guy knows he's just got to make four standing on 18, then he's probably got you beat, most likely. Yeah, I mean, if that shot carries, what, three or four yards further, makes birdie, he's a hero. Right. Sure. The whole game went the whole tournament flips and now he's got a one shot lead. But it's 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 calculated risk, right? So how many times did he get away with something in the first how's that uh, 70 holes or 69 holes, 68 holes, whatever it is? Yep. I mean, how many times did he get away with something else and then like as the strategy numbers that, you know, you guys talk about all the time on this podcast like at some point it will catch you. Yeah. Right? And then if you try to go for it and don't make the best swing or the best motion or the best decision, it will bite you. So he's just unfortunately in a situation where he feels like he has to and it changes from yeah. a want to a need. Yep. Scott, I was um, I was looking up our text messages from that day that I shot my 75. Yep. And um, I said a bunch of stuff, but the last sentence that I, I said, I was, I was describing how good golfers see the game. And a lot of the times um, you don't really see that if you're not really trying to or if you haven't been that you know, low for that long of a time. And I, I said this, this is the last sentence I sent to you. I said, it's about knowing when to manage the hole and when to apply the gas appropriately. Yeah. And I'm curious in that, in that situation that we saw with Hovland, do you think that he was applying the gas in an appropriate position, knowing that he was out of position? And to that question, and bringing up what we just said, I would say yes. He, he tried to apply the gas in a position that was more or less probably his last chance to do so. Yeah, I, I would say this, and this is my thing anytime I analyze stuff on the tour in terms of like specific moments, the only person who knows the answer to that is him. Right, like I can make inferences, but... I think within reason, it was a reasonable, like, I got to hit it close. <laughs> like, I can't hit it to 25 feet and expect to just make a long putt. Like, the make percentage at 25 feet is very low, even for the best players in the world. I mean, we're, we're sub 15%. So if I can get one inside of 15, now I'm in a, you know, 20-ish percent, 20 to 30% make percentage. Now I'm in a winning formula here. So... Yeah, it comes at the risk of it ending up in a bad spot. I think at the end of the day, if he's okay with the decision he made, then it doesn't really matter. At nope. The, like, at the bottom of it, at the core of yeah. it. Like, if if he goes, you know what? I missed some other opportunities earlier in the tournament. You know, I came up a little short this week. Like, if he takes that and says, I'm going to win a major, it's just like that 20-footer. It's like it's only a matter of time as well, right? It can bite you, but it also, like, at some point, he's going to win one too. Yeah, he is. It's Sergio winning the Masters. Like, at some point, the dude is good enough. He's going to win a major. Right. You just don't know which one that's going to be. And timing-wise, I mean, it could work out or not work out for 10 or 15 or 20 starts or 50 starts. And you could be a great player and not win a major until you're 42. Well, that was Phil Mickelson. But it doesn't. Right. If, if you're good with the decision you made and you feel like you made the right decision, then 
again, only he can answer that. Right. If he feels good laying his head down on the pillow at night, then he made the best decision he could have in that situation. I, I think one of the things that is really hard to articulate, and Elijah's kind of making some little comments here and there, is how detailed strategy actually goes. Like, if you think this swing is complex, golf strategy can go even further. Like, there's so much nuance into how to read a lie, how to do hit certain shots, when to pull them off, when to hit them, when not to. I mean, there's a whole ebb and flow of of a round. And that's really difficult to teach. Elijah's really good at it. It's why I've got two books on it. It's why we do the podcast. It's If you're not on the golf course with Elijah or me, I don't do those anymore, but, like, if you're not on the golf course – Learning that and actively pursuing that part of your game, you are missing out on massive opportunities for scoring lower. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about having Elijah doing it is you're talking to a guy who has like just gotten out of professional golf as far right. as like entering consistent tournaments. So you got you guys have someone here who knows how to manage a golf course and has done it recently and is good at it. Yeah. And from a guy too who you probably have to think your way around the golf course probably more than some of like a, a Bryson DeChambeau type hitter at that at some point as well right. yeah i mean i i like i got longer totally but even then i was not long right so 100 percent. you know i mean there was even times when i was playing that like i remember hitting even when i had gained 20 or 25 yards a stick you're also a guy still hitting six iron and they're hitting you know, a flighted seven or a full eight sure. in certain situations. Or, you know, I remember playing a mini tour event out here last May, and number nine is, I mean, it's Hard firm as a as rock. A, yeah. yeah, it's firm as a tabletop. And the pin was front, middle, left. So it's just left of the bottom level. And it's maybe three or four paces on. And it's in the morning time, too. So there's dew on the tee box. Yeah. And it's like one. 35, 140 or whatever it is, and there's some wind up there. And the dude, one dude I'm playing with, he literally hits it to like four feet and he stops it like that. And I'm like, I've never hit that shot. So like, yes, like tons and tons of strategy, especially for a player that doesn't have the crazy high ability to spin it. Like they don't have that it factor as far as distance goes. Mm -hmm. Like they don't work it both ways. I tell people all the time, my last seven or eight rounds of professional golf, I averaged like 70 and a half or 71 or something like that. My, my scoring range was uh, 66 to 73 or something. Yeah. And there's a lot of thinking that goes into that because, like, I had one shot, and that was a push draw. Well, not and I had one miss, and it was left. And totally. And those are not good. But also for people <laughs> who aren't as long, too, like, Elijah, you're a wicked wedge player, right? So it's like, let's get to our strengths so that then we can start scoring, right? 1,000%. And, and because of that, you have to strategically get yourself to a point where you can use those strengths appropriately, right? And then be yep. able to roll the rock. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I well, think that's the cool thing about what you do is like, hey, I'm a good iron player. You know, I've, I've got a decent drive, but I'm excellent with my wedges. Let's figure out a way that we can get into those strengths as quick as we can. Well, I think it's it's putting both of us together too so i think the ones that tend to have the most success on the golf course and have the most success in their lessons is actually when they're working both both sides of this like we had mark aaron shot 74 uh mike kegels shot multiple rounds in the 70s and he's a chris white well, he's a 15 chris, chris white chris did white our winter is, program yeah. shot 64 
this spring. Avery Jones did our winter program. He's twelve shots. He's twelve shots in eight months. Right, so and that's working both ends of this. And so Phil had been taking lessons with me for a year and a half. We finally got him on the golf course. Right, we were able to drop. I think it was about six points. He really didn't work much last year, so just started back. Yeah, he had surgery. Yeah, last had year, surgery so and stuff. Hasn't so even kinda, been playing and practicing for but right. a few months. If if I'm and that's when we just correct? started. We started about yeah. two months ago, and then got him out there. Like, this is how things should happen. You should work both angles of it. Where where'd Micah go? I mean, uh, Doug Adams is also a Doug great Adams, example too. Gee yep. Willikers. There's a whole yeah. bunch of them. I mean, we could keep going down the list, but um, we did something with Micah on super nuance the other night with TrackMan. Now I won't get this detailed with ninety something percent of our students, but with Micah, we're in there going, all right. He hit full wedges a lot in this last tournament. He just won. Shot twelve under, one by six, uh, and got exempt into a Cornberry event, right? Like, Good job, Micah. Where you yeah, at, where to go, Micah? Micah! Yeah, a round of applause for Micah. He doesn't even know we're talking about him. Eliza's going to get him. Yeah, Eliza's going to get him. Uh, but That was a wicked round, Dude, by the that way. was so incredible. He shot 66 at Shoal Creek, which is was held. They've held PJ Championships. Uh, U.S. Women's Open, Yep, if I'm correct. If and I'm not mistaken. Men's Senior Championship. A lot of major, huge events. Uh, so you have tour pros from Alabama that practice there when they're home? I mean, that's Smiley it. Kaufman, you know, he's the biggest one. He's there. Michael Johnson. Sepp Straka. Yep. And then you've got some smaller mini tour guy. guys that are there a lot. Um, but, anywho, like, with that, with that said, one of the things we did on TrackMan the other day was looking at Micah's proximity to the hole. Like, hit a lot of full wedges. was great. And I'm looking at this going, all right, so, so our variance for Micah was um, – yeah, sit down. We're going to talk about you. Um, we just want to talk about you, like, while you're in front of us, so yeah. it's more personal. Micah, come up here and, and grab person. a mic. This is good for people. <laughs> he just asked me. He's like, should I come up there? I'm like, come sit on. down. Come on. Come um, on. I'm a special guest. Get up here. Yeah, oh, yeah get up get here. Up here. Grab, come on. grab a chair. We'll scoot over. We'll scoot over. Yeah. Uh, and now your special guest of the evening, Micah Stangby of Telluride, Colorado. Thank you for listening to part one of this episode of the No Mulligans podcast. Be sure to listen next week for the rest of the interview with Micah Stangy. Hey!